message. But last week's message was about God being all-knowing. And what I've learned through this whole series is that every topic that we have, whether it's God is love or God is good or God is wise, all of these, God challenges me either in the week leading up to it or the week after it regarding his word on that topic. And I don't know about you, but, you know, when Pastor Andy did those two weeks of a consuming fire, God is a consuming fire, man, God was just challenging me all throughout the weeks after that, after I listened to that message. And I think that's been the case for a lot of these. Let me just quickly go over what we've done so far. And I think, I'm getting close. I don't know, so Sid, God bless her, our worship leader, she's on, she's doing a camp this week, so she is off uh, leading a kids camp somewhere in New York, I can't remember where, and so she keeps asking me, when's the next series going to start, when's the next series going to start, I'm just like, oh, I don't know, it'll be sometime, because she does all the graphics for the series, and then so she finally emailed me like Friday night, she's like, Jason, are you changing the series or not next week, you know what my response was, I don't know, <laughs> so I can imagine her reading that email even right now going, oh. When will he decide? I'll decide when the Lord decides. Amen. Amen. We'll move on when the Lord says to move on. Okay, here's a summary of our attributes so far that we've done. We did God is infinite. God is immutable, which means he never changes. And the reason why we did that one towards the beginning, one, to understand is infinite, that he's so big, but that he doesn't change. So things that we can see and know and learn about God, same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and forever. God is love. Actually, that was right around Easter. God is good. How many of you know God is good? We sang that song. He is good. He is good. He is good. God is wise. He is faithful. Humans, peoples, not always faithful. Yeah? God, always faithful. Even when we think, like, wait a second, what's going on? That doesn't make any sense. Is God really even in this? He is faithful. You have to know that and understand it and stick to that fact and hold on to the faith that God is faithful. God is merciful. Thank you, Lord. That we do not suffer the wrath and judgment of every sin that we do. That wouldn't be here. God is gracious. God is jealous. He is jealous when we put other things in our life ahead of him. He wants to be the focal point of our life. God is just. God is holy. God is protective. God is patient, which was the message I gave right before giving, going to South Dakota. The Lord was testing me on my patience. God is a consuming fire. And then last week, we did God is omniscient or God is all-knowing. And then attribute 16 this week is God is glorious. God is glorious. Church, say that with me. God is glorious. What does that mean, God is glorious? And we see the word glory over and over and over in the Bible, and we want to understand that better. It means he is infinitely beautiful and great. Come on, church. He is infinitely beautiful and great. All of the beauty that we see in this world and this life, he created. Beautiful, majestic mountain range. 
beautiful sunsets. You know, Erie's got like, you know, the top 10 sunsets in the world. That's God. Come on. He is beautiful and great. The Bible says that God's glory filled the temple. His glory filled the temple. You see that in the Old Testament over and over and over. And what that meant is that he was so glorious, he was so beautiful and great, you could not just waltz up in to the tabernacle in the Old, in the Old Testament. Like, you couldn't just go in there. Because people that went in there didn't come out. Because he is so glorious. I want to look at a couple scriptures here and talk about that. Then I want to look at what Moses, a little bit on the story of Moses. Many of you may know that story, but I want to look at that story. And then talk about what is our response to God being glorious. Uh, Habakkuk 3, I want to start there. Verse 3, the scriptures will be on, on the screen. It says this, God came from Taman, the Holy One, from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens, and all the earth was full of his praise. And many times we'll see here in verse 4 that his glory and light, or his glory and brightness are kind of talked about hand in hand. It says, his brightness was like the light. He had rays flashing from his hands, and there his power was hidden. Isaiah 43, 7 says this, Anyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him, yes, I have made him. So that means God created us in order to glorify him. Our actual reason for being is not to work at Wegmans, Not to own a company. Yes, these are all specific maybe callings in our life and places that God has placed us while we walk on this earth for just a short period of time. But the reason man was created was to worship and glorify God. I I mostly don't think about that during the day. I don't know about you. I got my to-do lists. I loved, how many of you love to-do lists? Oh, man, do I love it. I am the guy who writes down the thing I've already got done if it wasn't on the list just so I can cross it off the list. Right? How many of you guys are like that, right? You have your list down. You're like, well, I actually went to the store and picked up milk. That's not on the list. Went to store, picked up milk. And then you cross it off, and you feel like that dopamine hit of, like, getting something done. You're just like, oh, you're so energized. Right, And we think our lives, that's what it's all about. If Sometimes I feel like my life is about getting things done. Yeah. My job, the kids, the marriage, whatever it is, it always feels like our to-do list is so big. And we're always doing something. But do you know what we were created for? Was to worship God. To be in His presence to glorify him and worship him. And oh Lord, if I could just go throughout the day remembering that. I have driven in my car. I don't know how many of you guys do this. I do this sometimes. I have driven in my car to work. I also work at a local company uh, called Bliley Technologies. It's about 18 minutes from my house. I'll get in my car at 6.15 in the morning. I will show up at 6.32 or 6.33 on the nose and not even remember that I drove there. You're like, it's called autopilot, 
My car does not drive for itself. I was actually driving. But instead of worshiping God, instead of putting on a worship song, instead of praying, instead of praising him, I actually, I don't remember anything of what happened on my drive to work. Like, the, I'll only remember something if someone got in my way. That's the only thing I'll remember. And I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to be honest, one of my pet peeves, hmm, are you ever driving on a road early in the morning and the light is green and it's one of the censored lights? There is nobody else out and then there's this one car that comes driving down the other road and you're like, no, 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 and they click the light and your light's yellow and red. Like, it is six o'clock in the morning. Why is that light time that way, right? And you start to get, that's the only thing I can remember in the mornings. But what God, if I would realize, if we would realize, church, God created us to worship him and to glorify him in everything that we do, even when I'm driving, even when I'm working, even when I'm raising the kids, even when I'm cooking dinner. Liz has been gone. I've been cooking dinner. Look at the kids. They're here. They're clean, they're fed, with a little help from the older ones. Thank you, girls. They're clean, they're fed, although Noelle keeps saying I'm hungry. I don't know, maybe I'm not feeding her enough. Maybe she's just growing, I don't know. But we can do all things that we do if we have this perception or this perspective of knowing that everything we're doing, how God created us, was to glorify him. We can go about our day with more joy to glorify him, even in the most mundane task that we have. Boy, I want to live that way. I want to live that way. Psalm 24, 7 and 8 says, Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Think about that. We're lifting up when we worship, when we raise our hands up, when we invite him into our presence, when we invite him into our car, when we're driving home from work. Not in the morning. At least you should in the morning too. When you're, when you're worshiping him and you're inviting him, him, the king of glory shall come in. He shows up where he's invited, church. He shows up where he's invited. You have to invite him in. You have to invite him in. He doesn't just barge his way in. He's, you know, he will respect your decision. You have to invite him in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Look at that. You invite him in and you begin to worship him. He's the one fighting your battle. Come on, church. He's the one who's fighting your battle. We spend all this time fighting our own battles and the Lord's just saying, I created you to worship me, so just glorify me and let me fight your battles. Stop trying so hard to fight your own battles. I'm sick and tired of trying so hard. Because I don't want to do it anymore. Because it's tiring, it's exhausting. Keep working to fight my own battles. The Lord says, look, he is the one who's strong and mighty. The Lord is mighty in battle. First Chronicles 29, verse 11. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness. <laughs> he is great. The power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Psalm 102, verse 15 says this, So the nations shall fear the name of the Lord, 
and the king of the earth, and all the kings of the earth, your glory. Praise God. Praise God. Last one here, I'm going to skip down to John 17. It says this, Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven, said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son also may glorify you. This picture of the cross, this thing that we celebrated, his body broken, his blood shed, it was an occasion of God glorifying his Son and his Son glorifying God. What a beautiful picture. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. Verse 3, and this is eternal life, that you, that they may know you. This is eternal life, church. This is eternal life. Not your to-do list, not getting something done, not striving, not reading the Bible. Reading the Bible is good. Not memorizing scripture, quoting scripture. It's this. This is eternal life, that you may know him, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That is eternal life. Verse 4, I have glorified you on earth and have finished Jesus glorified God. We have an opportunity to glorify God, to show, to just give him praise and glory. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Jesus was with God from the beginning. We've seen that in a couple different verses uh, in Scripture. But he's saying this, is here, glorify me and I will glorify you. Our whole existence, our whole purpose that God has given us is to glorify him. We were created in his image. Why? The animals were not created in his image. We were created in his image in order to worship him and to be connected with him and to glorify him and to do the good work that he has prepared for us to do. And we were praying over the kids this morning. I really just felt that God was going to be imparting not just gifts and talents and just spiritual gifts in greater measure, but he would be imparting callings specific to many of the kids that were up here this morning. I just felt that sense of impartation that was happening. So that's what we were made for. But inevitably, all of us will try to find glory in other things. Come on. Distractions, our phones, whatever. Netflix, Prime, whatever. We are always looking to put our attention somewhere else. And we're always looking to make something else the object of our glory. Maybe it's our job. Maybe we're worshiping our jobs. Maybe we're worshiping something, our cars or our phones or whatever it is that we're placing ahead of God. God is calling us to worship him, to worship him alone. Turn with me to Exodus 33. I want to read this passage of scripture. I want to take a look. This is Moses. Many of you know the story of Moses. Um, if not, watch The Prince of Egypt. It's a great, uh, a great film. Uh, on. There's a lot of different versions of it. Uh, Ten Commandments would be a good one, too. We watch, anybody watch The Ten Commandments? We watch that thing in parts like every Easter. 
Well, it's like a tradition that we do. But anyway, uh, so Moses uh, from the Old Testament. And this is Exodus 33. So this is the Israelites have come out of Egypt. They were in slavery in Egypt. They have come out. They're in the desert. This is just after Moses went up and got the Ten Commandments initially, and they built the golden calf while he was gone. If you've seen the movie, it's a pretty explicit scene here uh, for, from the Ten Commandments. But they took all their gold, they built a golden calf, they began to worship something else. They began to worship something else. And then Moses goes and meets with the Lord. This is after the whole golden idol uh, scenario, starting in verse 12. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. How many of you want to know God by name and have him know your name? Amen. Verse 13, Now therefore I pray, If I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way, that I may know you, and that I might find grace in your sight. Consider that this nation is your people. And here's what God said back to Moses. My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. My presence, not my glory, my presence will go with you, and I will give rest. You rest. Let me keep reading and I'm going to explain the difference here between his presence and his glory. Verse 15. And then he said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. How many of you can feel that in our lives? Like, God, if you're not going ahead of me and with me and you're not for me in this situation, I don't want to go. I mean, I kind of joked here with Doug. They went and played basketball last night with a bunch of guys, and he was super sore. He's like, man, you should come next week. Next time we play, you should come. I was like, hold on. I'm going to pray about that first. I need to hear from the Lord, right, Doug? I got to hear from the Lord whether or not I go and play basketball or not, because I want God's presence there with me. I don't want to do anything outside of his anointing and his presence. We're just wasting our time. Verse 16. For how then... Will it be known that your people, and I have found grace in your sight, except that you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. So Mo, and so the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken. For you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And then verse 18 says this. And he said, Moses said, please show me your glory. Please show me your glory. Guys, there's a difference between God's presence and God's glory. God's presence doesn't cost us a thing. Y'all came, well, it cost you a little bit of gas money, a little bit of time to get here this morning, but you can enter into God's presence in your own home. God's presence, his coming into the presence of believers That's free. It doesn't cost you anything. God is there with you. He is always there with you. But it's God's glory that costs us something. I'm going to explain that here in a little bit. God's glory 
costs us something. Because in his presence, church, I, I've, been, I've been going to church for 40-some years. And look, even in my own life, I have been in God's presence many times, but I have not been changed. Come on, guys. You can be in God's presence. You can feel that. What do you say? You have rest. Ooh, in peace. You come into God's presence like, oh, I, this is pretty nice. I feel kind of nice when I go to this church. I feel kind of at peace. It's kind of a great atmosphere. That's the presence of God. But God's glory. Moses asked specifically to see God's glory. His greatness and goodness is so great that when you experience God's glory, it costs you something. Because it begins to change your life. It begins to change your inner being. It begins to change who you are. It begins to shine light into situations and circumstances. I mean, the presence is great, man. We all love the presence. But we can go to church week after week, enter into his presence, and never change. But when you say, Lord, show me your glory, you are inviting him in deeply into your situation to shine light and expose and to begin to transform your life like you've never been before. It's not easy. It's not free. And usually it's not fun. I'm just being honest. But here, God is so good. Now remember, all of these attributes work together at the same time. Because he is good, because he is faithful, because he is loving, because he is all those things, he wants you to ask for his glory. He wants you to be transformed because he loves you so much to leave you there. He doesn't want you to stay in that same situation and leave you there day in and day out, struggling with the same thing over and over and over, and you feel good for about two hours on Sunday morning in his presence, but you still face the same challenge day in, day out, year in, year out, decade after decade. He's saying, invite my glory in. Invite my light into your life to expose the things that need exposed, to tear apart the lies and the beliefs and the things that I've had and I've stood on for so many years years. Why? Because he loves you. Because he cares about you. Because he doesn't want to see you struggling year over year, month after month, continuously with the same thing. It doesn't mean you're not going to go to heaven. If you made him your Lord and Savior, you're going to go be an eternity with him. But he wants to give you abundant life on this earth. And to have abundant life on this earth, it means that we have to dig a little bit. We've got to do some excavation. We've got to pull some weeds out. How many of you like to garden? I'm not raising my hand because I don't like to garden. <clears throat> I'm horrible at gardening. Okay. But you know if you are a gardener, you've got to pull the weeds out. Because what are those weeds doing? They're taking the nutrients away. We have this beautiful hedge in the back of our property. And it's, it's kind of way in the back, so I don't see it that much. And I went out there one day, and there was a weed. How does this thing grow? I don't understand. This weed was like this thick. And it was growing up right in the middle of the hedges. And do you know what happened? All the hedges around it were dead. Because the weed was taking all the nutrients and it was killing the actual plant that was there to produce life and privacy and all the other things. So what weed in your life are you trying to keep the light from exposing? And we can be in his presence. I love his presence, don't get me wrong. It's wonderful, I love being his presence. But his glory is something more. His glory costs us something. Moses said, please show me your glory. Verse 19, and then he said, I will make 
All my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face. His glory is so much that we can't even stand in its presence. We can't even look at it. Do you guys understand how big and great God is? You can't even look at his glory. It just puts you down. It puts you on your face. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. Yikes. And the Lord said, there is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock, and so it shall be while my glory passes by, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and will cover you with my hand while I pass. And then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. God's presence is free, but his glory costs us something. His glory costs us something. So what do we do? What is our response to this? If you look throughout the Bible, my goodness, when, pe- when, when people went after God's glory, Moses lost friends, Abraham lost his home, Joseph lost his freedom, David had years of fighting, Job lost his family, J- uh, Jonah lost all of his prejudices, Mary it cost her reputation, Peter it cost him his livelihood, Paul it cost him his safety, This is what the glory costs. And I'm asking you this morning, are you willing to invite all of him into your life? Are you willing to invite and say, Lord, show me your glory. I love your presence, I love your peace, but show me your glory. God's glory is a radiant light that shines in all the places in our life. And if you look at Moses' response... And I'll get to our response. Moses' response is found in Exodus 34, verse 8. So Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. What was Moses created to do? Just like you and I was to worship him, to glorify him. God's glory costs us something. Jake, if you want to come up here and play behind me here. So what is our response to God's glory? What is our response to his beauty and greatness? First thing, just like Moses, we've got to bow down and worship him. Our response to his glory is to bow down and worship him. A posture of worship. A posture of submission. A posture of humility. A posture of surrender. You can dance around in God's presence all you want. You can wave flags, you can dance, but when you are in God's glory, when his glory is present, you can do nothing but to bow down and worship him. And it costs us something. Second thing we need to do is we need to invite him into our lives. God is a gentleman. He will not force his way into our lives. He's given each and every one of us free will. He's given each and every one of us an ability to choose. We can either choose him or we can choose another route. 
We have to invite him in to our life. We have to say, Lord, show me your glory. We have to accept him as our Lord and Savior. And we have to allow him, if we really want to grow, we have to allow him to expose his light into situations in our life that we have kept hidden for a long time. Church, I understand it's scary because nobody wants to be exposed. Nobody wants their dark secrets to come into the light. But God, all those attributes of God, he is loving, he is caring, he is gracious, he is merciful, he is good. And he already knows the things you're challenged with, so just open up to him. Say, Lord, come and shine your light into the deepest, darkest places of my life. Let him bring you peace in that situation. Church, I understand change is not hard, change is not fun. Me pulling that weed, I I had to get a chainsaw to get that weed out. The one I was talking about on my hedges. Some of us have a really big weed growing in our life. And the Lord's calling us this morning to pull out some chainsaws. Get on our weeding gloves because they're prickly, aren't they? Sometimes weeds hurt when you pull on them. Guess what? Some of this stuff may hurt, but he's calling us to go deeper with him, to the next level with him. Next thing, our response is to allow him to remove the things that need removed. Stop putting the brick back up. We talked about that this morning. Jesus wants to shine light into a situation to help you grow and to change you, to transform you, we keep putting the brick back up. Allow him to do the work. With him, all things are possible. You can't do it on your own anyway. So invite him in and let him begin to do the work. Let him begin to show you the lies that you've been thinking. Let him begin to show you that your identity in Christ is different than the identity that you're living out. And he wants to change that in your life. So allow him to remove things that need removed. And lastly, I love this, abandon yourself. Guys, this world is so focused on self sometimes. I really feel like when we invite God in and say, Lord, you do the work, I'm going to let you do your thing and I'm just going to go do my thing and let him do the work, we begin to abandon ourselves. What do I mean by that? I mean, make it our goal to see his glory. Stop caring so much about what other people think and start caring more about what God thinks. Stop caring so much about what other people think. But care about what God is thinking. Now, that wasn't a marriage lesson. your spouse, very important. You should care what they think. That's a whole nother lesson. Not talking about that. You understand what I'm saying? We we worry so much about what our boss thinks. You know, is your boss going to be there 40 years from now when you're around your grandkids and you're breathing your last breath? 
Your boss will have no idea. Why do we care? Well, I want to do a good job, Pastor Jason. Okay, do a good job, but don't arrange your life and care more about what that person thinks than about what God thinks in your life. And we need to practice when we say abandon yourself, we're going to practice something called self-forgetfulness. What do I mean by that? It's a little bit about what I said earlier, this sense of separation. All of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. But what God is calling us to is that there is a sense of separation. Is who we are now in Christ is a new creation. And we can no longer walk around with our identity being identified by our old man, our old self. We may still struggle with that sin, but that is not who you are. We have to abandon our old self, abandon the one who we thought we were, who we think we were, that defines who we are, and we begin to see ourselves as God sees us. Abandon ourselves and our own thoughts of mind is to understand our identity in Christ. Who are we really in Christ? Church, close your eyes this morning. I'm going to tell you who you are in Christ. (laughs) Because I want you to be encouraged that when you made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, it doesn't mean that you you stopped sinning immediately. It doesn't mean that you weren't challenged with things. But what it does mean is that you are a new creation and that your identity now flows from who Christ is in your life and not from what sin is in your life. Church, you are loved. Church, you are a child of God. Church, you are forgiven. Church, you are blameless. Church, you have been adopted. Church, you are an heir with Christ. Church, you are free from sin. Church, you are victorious. Church, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Church, you have received power. Church, you are spiritual warriors. Church, you have peace with God. Church, you are guided by His Spirit. Church, you are full of God's joy. Church, you are an ambassador for Christ. Church, you are God's masterpiece. Church, you are blessed. Church, you are growing as a disciple. Church, you will forever live with Christ. Just begin to receive that as your identity this morning. Just begin to abandon yourself and the thought of who you think you are and begin to see yourself on who God says you are. And we invite him in and his glory in. We say, Lord, show me your glory. He begins to reveal things that need to be taken out of our lives. And he begins to show us our identity in Christ. Just keep your eyes closed this morning. I want to pray for everyone here in a minute. Before I do so, I had said something back at communion. I said that communion was the believer's celebration of the Lord's Supper. 
If you're here this morning and you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, if you've never invited him in, he will never force himself, but there will be invitations. This is an invitation from God himself through me to invite him into your life this morning. If that's you this morning, if you say today is the day I want to invite Jesus into my life, just slip your hand up this morning. No one's looking around. Okay. Keep your eyes closed, your heads bowed. If you would say this morning that, yeah, I may have accepted Jesus as my Savior. But Pastor Jason, I want prayer to have him be Lord in my life as well. Lord over every area, over every situation, over every circumstance. If that's you this morning, say, I need, Lord, show me your glory in my life. If that's you, just raise your hand. No one's looking around. I'm going to pray for you this morning. Come on, anybody else? Anybody else? Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Just keep those hands up. My hand is up with you. Father, we just ask you, Lord, to show us your glory, that you would reveal the things in our lives that need removed, the lies that need rejected, the sin that has held us in bondage. Lord, we invite you into those situations. Shine your light. Begin to remove those things. Lord, by your Holy Spirit, lead us and guide us in the steps to take But Father, I just ask now that you would transform us even as I'm praying. That when your lightness comes in that the darkness cannot stay. So Lord, we invite you in. Remove the things that need removed. And Lord, we're committing this morning to abandon ourselves. (laughs) To just abandon ourselves to you. The striving and the trying no more. But we abandon ourselves to you. And Lord, that we would know our identity in you. That we are loved. We are forgiven. We are spotless. We are clean. We are victorious. We are all the things that you say we are. Not the things the world says we are. Not the things other people say we are. But we are the things that you say we are. Lord, may we practice that separation of seeing ourselves as you see us. Give you all the honor and the praise and the glory this morning. In your precious name. Amen? Amen.
Uh, guys, we have some group leaders that are going to come up here. They can pray with you here at the end of service. If you've got a prayer request for any kind, uh, I'm going to invite them to come up now even as I'm speaking. Uh, whether it be a prayer for healing or a prayer for salvation or whatever it might be, they can pray with you, they can agree with you. But how many of you guys know that the Lord is glorious? The Lord is glorious. May we leave here knowing He is glorious. Let me read this benediction as we close. Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen and amen. Love you guys. You're dismissed. See you Wednesday night.